Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to The Bad Broadcast. I am so excited about my episode today, guys. I had a chance to interview Kate Kennedy, who I have followed for a really long time. She was the very first person that I ever reached out to to interview. She was like, on my interview bucket list. Me and Jordan even talk about her in my like second episode. We talk about, you know, how cool she is and that I emailed her and I thought there there was no chance I would ever be able to interview her. And I did. And it was amazing. She was so cool. So nice. But I was so, so, so nervous. And when the interview starts, I like don't even give her a chance to introduce herself. I just dive on into all my questions. So I wanted to give you guys a little bit of an intro to the episode and give you guys some context for a couple things that we talk about. So first, I want to tell you about Kate. So Kate started off doing doormats, which seems random, but she started those doormats that I know you guys have seen. They're all over Pinterest and they went super viral. They're the ones that say, turn off your straightener or turn off your curling iron. And she has a, a bunch of other custom ones, but those are the ones that I first saw a few years ago. And after that, she wrote a children's book, which it's like a parody book on influencers. It's called social, it's called Twinkle Twinkle Social Media Star. It's incredible. It's right up my alley, obviously, because all of my, most of my stuff is about influencers. Most of my like jokes and things I talk about are about influencers. So I love it. And now she has a podcast. So her brand is called Be There in Five. That's the name of her podcast also. And it's a long form podcast, meaning it's like each episode is usually an hour and a half to two hours. And she does these incredible deep dives on really specific topics that people are super interested in that aren't really covered in any other media. And we talk about that a little bit. And why I thought she would be such a good fit for the podcast is because so right now with with my podcast, I'm I'm still small, like you guys know that my my account is small, my podcast is small, and most of my audience is here in Utah. And Kate has a three part deep dive on Utah mommy bloggers. And it's on Mormon mommy bloggers. And it's so interesting. And it was so fun to listen to and hear her perspective. And I could not recommend her podcast enough. So after this, make sure you go listen to her and subscribe and follow her on Instagram. Instagram. And so I listened to it. And then she also has a three part series that was more recent on just um, on just influencers and influencers in general. So on the business model, all of that. And it was so good. So I knew that she would be so interesting to talk to because you guys understand the world of like Utah influencers. I know there's a lot of listeners that are not in Utah, but for the most part, you guys kind of kind of get like the nuances of Utah mommy bloggers. And I just, I just thought it was so interesting to talk to her. And I just want to say she, she was so great. She was so like patient with me. And I, I, did I just say this, but I was so, so, so nervous. I could not like all week. I was just like, I would wake up in like a cold sweat because I was just nervous. And she was great. I can't, I can't say enough good things about her. So just listen to her. Don't listen to me. Just make sure you're listening to her. And I do 
I want to talk about one thing that I realized we said in the podcast that we didn't really give context for in case any of you didn't know what was going on. So in my second episode, I talk about how a blogger couple blocked me. And I didn't think anybody would like notice that I said that or care, but I've gotten enough DMs about it that I figure I might as well just tell you guys because if you DM me, I tell you anyways. So the blogger who blocked me and her husband are sassy red lipstick. And we kind of go into this. I mention it. Um, they go through and they delete and block anything that's not positive. Um, I tagged Jordan in a post. They didn't like it, whatever. Uh, they blocked me. So we talk about this a little bit. She, so Sassy Red Lipstick had this thing a couple months ago where she pretty much told her audience that she lost her J. Crew like affiliate code. And because she wasn't going to make money off of J. Crew, she wasn't going to try anything on or show anybody anything that she bought from there. And it kind of rubbed people the wrong way. And Kate and I talk about that. And we talk about, oh, yeah, what happened with Sassy Red Lipstick? And I just wanted to give you guys that little tidbit in case you weren't like up to date on that. We talk a lot about influencers and like, kind of how the world is changing. Um, and Kate's Kate's deep dive that she did on influencers, this most recent one that was just about the business model, it kind of changed my perspective on the the world of being an Instagram influencer. I, I still think that it's funny and I think I'll always think it's funny. I'm always gonna like, you know, joke about it because I, I think it's a funny world and I think we should be able to find the humor in it. But also it is a legitimate business, obviously. It's just like if you were a lawyer and people made lawyer jokes, they're not telling you that your job is fake. So I I do I do, do that and Kate does that really well. That's what her whole book is, um, the Twinkle Twinkle Social Media Star. It's all about like just this funny world of influencers that we've created. And yeah, I just, I just wanted to talk about that. And I'm trying to think if there's anything else that I missed, but Again, I just want to say thank you to Kate for doing this interview. Uh, thank you to you guys for being patient with my awkwardness. And I hope you enjoy it. She she was great. And remember to go follow her, listen to her podcast, Be There in Five. And after that, if you could just scroll down a little bit, here's what I want you to do. I want you to pick up your phone, look at your podcast app, go to my podcast, scroll down a little bit, and just hit five stars. It, I mean, it's like probably like 4.5 seconds of your life. And it would just mean a lot to me. So thank you so much for doing that. And I hope you guys have a good rest of your week, a safe week. Please wear your masks. Um, I posted something on my Instagram this last week about how Utah is not doing great in the mask department. And for the most part, I mean, literally 99.9% .9 of the responses were you guys just agreeing that we need to be wearing masks. We need to be being smart and listening to you know, the experts and keep each other safe. And I did have a comment to me made a comment made to me. I rearranged that sentence. I did have a comment made to me about how, um, somebody didn't want to wear a mask because they didn't like the government telling them what to do. And I thought that was like a joke when people said that, but then it was actually said to me and I was like, Oh, okay, this is for real. So let me just, if, if you're in that boat, if you're listening to my voice right now and you're in that boat that you're uncomfortable with the government telling you what to do uh, by saying that you need to wear a mask, just remember that um, that's why lines are painted on the freeway. That's why explosives, explosives are not allowed on planes. Um, There's just like little guidelines to like make sure people don't die. And, and with that, please remember that wearing a mask is not 
for you. It's to take care of other people. And I just, I'm not going to argue with anybody on the concept of compassion. Like it, you should know that it's okay to take care of people around you. And I think that we should all be trying to do that more, especially now in what's going on. We should be anxious and like ready to always be helping the people around us. And that's that's my view on masks. So if you're having a hard time with the masks, just remember that it's not it's not to take care of you. It's to be to be compassionate for the people around you who are probably affected differently than you are. And that's all I'm going to say about that. Don't DM me and say, you know, well, I don't like that blah blah blah. I'm I'm not going to agree. I'm always going to err on the side of caring for other people. So that was really serious, but I just like, I just mean it. I just want you guys to be safe. I want us all to be on the same page that like, it's okay to take care of each other. We don't need to all be so focused on what's comfortable or, or like convenient for us right in the moment. <sighs> what, what was I saying? Okay. I'll get off my soapbox now. So, uh, please enjoy this interview with Kate Kennedy and I will talk to you guys soon. Oh, I was also going to say, so at the beginning of the episode, I didn't really cut anything from the episode. So the beginning of it is kind of weird. I'm like trying to figure out the audio. So just hang in there. It does get better and it it gets more normal. So thanks guys. Enjoy. No, not at all. It okay. might be a second. Okay. I think it's just, um, I've had that issue with StreamYard before. This is a Sorry, very... I'm sure you were like, where is she? And no. I was on the other, the wrong link. No, you are totally fine. Uh, your, your, um, your assistant's probably like this chick cannot figure it out because this is the first time I've used StreamYard, but I wanted to make it easier on you. So I was like, I'll figure it out. So I'm still new to this, but, um, this oh, is a very no. surreal moment for me. I'm, I'm so, so excited and I'm so grateful. I know you probably have very few free minutes and I'm really, really oh. grateful. So, oh my God, you're so, so nice. You. Thanks. No, no, I'm no. happy to be here. Well, thank you. So, um, you can probably introduce yourself better than I can, but, um, I, I really look up to you for a lot of things that you do. You're an author, you're an entrepreneur, creative consultant, pop culture commentator. Um, but I know you from your podcast is, um, Mm -hmm. How I, I actually found you on a, on a different podcast on one of your interviews and then it led me to you. So, oh, um, which one on girls got to eat. Oh, oh, you love yeah. them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're great. Um, I hope I'm not like just exuding, um, like chaotic energy right now. With you're not <laughs> at all. Oh my God. You're so nice. Are you kidding? I was listening to your, um, your interview with Garcelle and you beforehand had said you were nervous and I was like, okay, she gets nervous. She gets nervous. Oh my it's God. Um, I get very nervous. <laughs> well, I couldn't tell. So, but, so yeah, you're a podcaster. I really look up, look up to you're so you're very well spoken. You're super smart. Um, you're really interesting to listen to, but I, something I really like about the way you run your brand, um, you, you really make your audience feel like your friends. You are really gracious and always thanking everybody, which is probably why I had like the audacity to be like, Hey, so want to come on my little podcast? <laughs> but, um, I, I really fell in love with your podcast and your views on everything. And I'm sure you hear this a lot, but with the Mormon mommy blogger deep dive, because mm -hmm. I'm in Utah. Most of my followers right. are in Utah. Um, and we, I mean, we see these people all the time. I mean, we rub shoulders with all these people. We all, you know, have co mutual friends and these things. So that's kind of where I, where I really dove in. And so I knew you would be a great person for my audience to hear from. So, oh my gosh, I love it. You're in Salt Lake city. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So we're right. We're, we're right in the middle of all of it. And I'm from here. So I actually, so I grew up in Alpine, which is 
um, the mount the the mountains in Rachel Parcell's backyard is like oh my, my is like my parents' house. So that's like where I grew up. So um, were they okay in the mountain fire two weeks ago? Uh, they were evacuated. So that that particular fire was a few blocks away, um, but they just barely moved. So a few a few years ago, they were getting evacuated like every two weeks. Oh my gosh, it's so scary. It's so crazy. And people are still like doing fireworks. I can't figure it out. Um, (laughs) It's so confusing. But yeah, I I just have some questions for you. And I just, yeah, just would love to dive in if that's okay with you. Um, First, how and this isn't going to be what the whole thing is about. But how did you get like, so interested in the Mormon mommy blogger world? Oh, yeah. Well, well, first of all, can you hear me? Okay? Yeah. Like, it, is the audio? Okay. Totally. So I'm in my living room and I have my HVAC on because it's hot out. And I'm sorry if there's like a little bit of background fuzz. No, this is an ongoing totally issue for me. You are totally fine. <laughs> okay, good. Um, so with Mormon mommy bloggers, that's a funny thing where I did not realize that would be as popular as it was. I, I I've always followed bloggers since the nexus of, you know, well, Instagram was even later, but, you know, some of the early bloggers were 2008, 2009, 2010. I think I had just graduated. I had a salary. It was the first time I was like decorating my home and hosting parties. And all of a sudden we had this intermediary, like famous person that wasn't a celebrity that was inaccessible and marked with privacy. We had these celebrities that all they did was tell us everything. And it was kind of like my best case scenario. So I got really obsessed with bloggers. And over time, I think one of the first Mormon mommy bloggers I followed was a girl named Sydney who now lives in Idaho. And I actually am not sure if she's with the church anymore. Um, and then I found Rachel and like Amber Filler up. And I didn't even realize that they were Mormon at the time. But then you start to notice a trend of like, these women are beautiful, so rich, have so many kids. And they're like 25. I didn't know a single person who looked like them, spent like them, or had that many kids at that age. And then I kind of got obsessed with like, oh, there's something here. Like, I wonder what like the through line is. And I just always wondered that throughout the decade, but didn't put a ton of stock into it. But then when I started doing a deep dive format for my podcast, I was like, well, there's actually, you know, not to gossip at somebody's expense, but there were some stories in the community that had a lot of drama that had were kind of elements of internet lore uh, that I kind of wanted to talk about. And yeah, looking, I don't know, I was very nervous to do that whole thing. And I still feel a little weird about it because I just am not a person that really likes to talk about people that specifically because right. influencers, like it, get, it gets back to them, right? Like they're not really? untouchable. People like I will talk about somebody and they will like tag them in a story, a listener will. I'm like, no tagging. Like, this is not what I want. That is unfair. <laughs> yeah. is, I've been blocked before. I am blocked by a, by a, by a blogger for, I actually don't really under, I don't really know why, but um, I am blocked. So they, but some of them they, block for anything. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, no, they really do. I think they go through and block if it's not a accomplished. I mean, I, sh- yeah. Anyways, some of them do that, but um, no, it's so, it's so interesting because being here and being raised here and being in the middle of all of this, I'm always, is so interested on what it looks like from an outside perspective because it's so specific and like the little nuances Mm -hmm. of um like things that they say or things that they wear or um oh my gosh it's a big deal that she's in a tank top because normally she wouldn't she would normally have her shoulders covered and what does that mean and when you're raised in this like little I mean we all here call our little bubble and that's kind of exactly what it is Mm -hmm. I'm just always so I I loved your I thought you were super respectful I didn't I know that um you said in the podcast that Rachel did reach out to you, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And, um, but yeah, I, I mean, from, from my perspective, I, 
I thought you did a really great job. But yeah, I, oh, am, I am always curious to for to see what it looks like because um, like for me, like we, and I, I just said this, how we're always kind of rubbing shoulders with these people. I mean, we all shop at this, there's one Nordstrom in Salt Lake. You know, we're all at the same Nordstrom. We're all, we all know the same people. We, you know, some of my friends have dated some of these husbands. It's like, it's just this it's crazy, crazy. It's unbelievably small that I didn't know that it existed outside of our world. And so, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been, it's, it was really interesting. And how, how has it been received from people who maybe weren't familiar with the church or the Mormon mommy blogger community? I think that people's interest level was much higher than I ever anticipated. And like, it's just, it's funny to even look back. I didn't even, I think I had one advertiser in one episode. I didn't really monetize it. I felt a little weird about capitalizing off of like gossiping about people, especially when it is in the context, context of something sacred, like faith. Um, but it, yeah, they're, two, they're some of my most popular episodes. People loved them. I feel like it, brought a lot of people to the podcast, which I'm grateful for, because I guess I didn't really, I knew that people on the internet, like on Reddit and stuff talked about them, but I maybe didn't realize the level of interest there was. Um, and then I think after, you know, it was, it was very clearly pointed out to me by members of the church that I needed to separate, do a better job separating the doctrine from the culture. And the first episode, I was just very much like high level speculating and like reading quotes. I wasn't, I didn't ask anybody directly, but then when people started to email me, I was like, great, I'll read your feedback. Like I'm totally open to being wrong. I don't want to be disrespectful whatsoever, but at the same time, I think it's fair to have objective commentary on religion to a degree when it impedes on human rights. Right. And, um, that was where I was comfortable pushing back, but where I was, you know, wrong about some sort of belief system, I tried to be better, but yeah. So I think I, mixed mixed reviews on the front of people in the church and i think i realize utah is very different from everywhere else um and uh but otherwise in terms of just general lovers of bloggers i mean yeah it was it was a huge success shockingly (laughs) totally and i'm curious because this is something that that is it's so strange to me how and this these are things that you cover in your podcast where the interest is there but the coverage is not i think mm-hmm. you said you probably said that exact line before i'm curious what your take is on why there's no co- i know that buzzfeed does you know pieces on them here and there and and how and i mean this is a, a whole other beast in and of itself but how male creators get mainstream media and how these female creators don't and especially like these i mean they're so famous i mean i guess i i mean and that's something i didn't realize because i just have known who they are for so long but why there's not more mainstream coverage of them you know what i'm saying yeah you know it's interesting like I think it's a little, do you mean with like bloggers and influencers in general or specifically? Okay. Yeah. In general, less about specifically Mormons, but, um, more just in general, how they're not, you know, being covered more in the mainstream media. I think people just don't take influencers seriously. I think there's a problem of media and celebrities themselves don't take them seriously and like wouldn't want them at functions because there's almost this incorrect association with the title that, it suggests you're one of those people that went on the bachelor, got a ton of followers, hawks, hair gummies, and like, (laughs) isn't taken super seriously. But on the other hand, there's a lot of women who have built business empires off of blogs, off of Instagram and the like. And it's actually quite a hard business model to not only build, but sustain. And I've always felt there was a lack of uh, respect just in terms of how people are quick to assume if you talk about 
things women are traditionally thought of to like, whether it's home decor, fashion, lifestyle, beauty, skincare, all these things, their interests that relative to the rest of the world might be perceived as trivial, but there's things that are important to people and that matter and that people are thinking about talking about and that move the needle. And they're very influential in these categories. And I think that um, it's almost blogs have kind of this, I just feel like for some reason, people don't take them seriously as the businesses they are. And they think they're just like posting pictures and writing now and again, when like these women are bosses, they're like millionaires. It's just like, they're and beyond a celebrity who went a more traditional route, like, yeah, it's hard to make it as a celebrity, but you know, you get an agent, get a manager, you do auditions, hope Mm -hmm. for the best. These women are self-made like ground up. And, um, I just think there's a lot to respect there that gets lost. And yeah, when like the David Dobrik's and Paul brothers of the world, the YouTubers, or on like Jimmy Fallon, it is interesting, but at the same time, I don't know if there's a disconnect not only between media outlets pursuing, you know, f- female bloggers and influencers, or it's also them not pursuing media. Yeah, like yeah. You know, that might be a little out of their wheelhouse. I have seen like at times people are so articulate in their blog and good on their Instagram stories, but can't necessarily speak off the cuff. Well, like it's not for everybody. Some people just genuinely want to share their life in their little bubble. Some people want to be a broader personality. And I guess it kind of depends on your goals. Totally. So I I've said this in one of my previous episodes, but I so a lot of the the like the comedy stuff that I do is kind of focused around Utah influencers. It's always stuff that I do as well, because mm-hmm. the irony is not lost on me that I'm also trying to build a following and I'm trying to build a brand and I'm trying to, you know, make money doing this. And so I, I feel like we're all kind of in on the joke. Like we're all trying to, you know, right. build this. I would never like purposely, you know, hurt somebody's feelings. Off of right. This. That's, that's absurd because I'm here doing the same thing. Um, but, and I did say this in one of my previous episodes that I think, I think that bloggers and this influencer culture is like peak feminism because we used to Mm -hmm. have to stay home and not make any money. And then the feminism movement came and we were out getting jobs and now we're home and these women are not scraping by. I mean, they are, they are crushing it. I mean, just making so, so much money by like being a homemaker like, it's, right. cr- it's crazy to me. And I think it's amazing. I think I would never like knock that. But um, and I, I recommend it to everybody, your your more recent influencer deep dive, because you do go through the business model, which is just wildly interesting to see. And, and it does kind of change your perspective on it when you're like, OK, another ad, I get it, like whatever. And then when you think about right. it, like, oh, they create all their content for free. Um, mm-hmm. But where do you think that line is between? between overdoing the ads and if they should be promoting things and saying, oh, I'm not getting paid for this. And I do just love this. And where, how do they maintain the trust of their followers? Because that's that's where I feel myself slipping in interest is that I'm like, okay, are you, are you in, like, do you believe in this product? You know, are you happy with this or is it just an ad grab? You know, totally. It's and it's a good question. Like what I didn't say earlier too, when you asked about, um, you know, media and influencers, people not taking them seriously. I think this relates to this in that we're all also on Instagram and, but our spare time and our leisure and the thing we do for fun is somebody else's job. And I think it's really hard to perceive something you approach for pure leisure as somebody else's like nobody takes Instagram seriously as a job, but it takes like hours to respond to DMS to make content, like to actually engage well with it. It's, um, it is kind of work and and you have to commit to like storing every day and these things that like maybe look easier than they are. And I think that in doing that, 
when people's feeds are peppered with so many ads, you, you separate from it being a business and it's just like inundating you on a, an outlet that's supposed to be just entertainment. But for some reason, we don't see it as being the same as TV or radio or a display ad. And like every other media we consume is completely ad funded and nobody cares. But when influencers do ads, yeah. they're so off put. But yeah, like you said, day in and day out, these people, no matter how ridiculous or random the Instagram story or post or TikTok or whatever it is, seems like that's content creation, that's value they're adding and you're consuming it for free. And that would, in any other medium, you'd have to pay a subscriber fee or you'd it'd have to be ad supported. People need to get paid who make stuff right. and um, for entertainment purposes only even. Um, so I, I think the tricky thing is like, I, I, I don't know that there's a right answer for this other than like Grace Atwood's an example of somebody. She does a lot of um, sponsored posts, but people love her. She's very honest and she's honest. She's when she has like a heavy week of sponsored posts or she was honest during COVID being like, I still have to make a living. She breaks the fourth wall in a way that I think is healthy. And when bloggers act like they don't know you're annoyed that they're advertising so much and or like, I think sometimes it's just like all swipe ups, all affiliates, like, and the, I, I almost feel like the disconnect for me is like, do you think I'm dumb? Right. Oh, totally. <laughs> it's totally. like, at least acknowledge what you're doing here. Acknowledge that this is your job. Acknowledge that this is a lot or that totally. you used to use a different product, but you've since changed. Like, I think that the, this X factor that's kind of un, hard to define of authenticity is sometimes the line when you just, it's, it just is obvious when you're being um, sold to versus somebody giving you a legitimate testimonial. And, I don't know. It's like there's not yeah. really a good way to describe it other well, I, than like you get an energy. Totally. And I totally agree with you because that's the thing. I, I follow Grace and I, I love her content. And the thing is that I find myself doing is that sometimes when sometimes when bloggers are too honest, I'm like, like we like the sassy red lipstick thing with Jake mm -hmm. like I'm like, OK, I OK, wait, hold on. So like you don't want to do any anything with anybody that's not paying you. Like right. you, and I was like, that may, that maybe was like too honest for me. <laughs> like it was like a little bit off putting that I was like, oh, okay. So is anything on your feed genuine? You know, like, is it, do, do oh, you know what totally. I'm saying? I could not agree more. And I, um, I actually, she's who blocked me by the way. I'll just say that. Oh, she blocks a lot of people. <laughs> yeah. I think <laughs> they, I think they go through, if it's not like an explicit compliment, then I think they're, they're weeding them out, which, you know, it's their. It's what they want to do, but <laughs> yeah, I know. I I don't really know her or follow her that closely, but that that was a really interesting case of where I was like, listen, I argue for influencers' transparency all day, but as within life, honesty is important, but so is tact. And mm -hmm. a person who's had a like, you know, if you have ever been in a sales or marketing or any sort of job requiring a client relationship, you know that there's an element of, yeah, honesty and trust that's essential, but so is um, maintaining a, a facade of having somebody's best interest in mind. Mm -hmm. And to me, that's the tact that's lost when there's this like zero Fs, no filter honesty. And I know that sounds contradictory to what I'm saying with transparency, but I do think that, that that's where it becomes clear who's a business person and who's not, because you, you do have to illustrate some tact in what you're doing. And yeah, you can still be honest, but it's kind of like how you can... 
I don't know, if somebody asks you your honest opinion and you can give it to them without delivering it in a way that will be offensive or hurt their feelings, like totally. you polish things. Totally. No, totally. I don't think it sounds contradictory at all. I think it's when, when it happened, I was almost just kind of like, why? I mean, like it didn't right. make anybody feel better. It didn't like, you know, I was I, that was my main question that I was wondering what her thought pro what I mean, and I shouldn't single her out because I know a lot of influencers are doing the same thing. But I'm almost like did. I, I am sure she had good intentions of being like, oh, I'm going to be super honest, but it did come off really um, like, what's the word I'm looking for? Just like disconnected from what people wanted to hear. And it, and I think right. that, to be honest, I think that goes hand in hand with deleting negative comments. I mean, just ignoring any sort of feedback at all, when you're not willing to listen to people at all, then you kind of lose touch with people. If, if, I mean, that's, yes. and that's my, my personal take on that particular situation. Um, yeah, I know. I totally agree with that. I, I think she, I hope that there was some learning there and that you almost, you, you just, I kind of compared it to at work. There's the people, like when I had people reporting to me at a corporate job, the people that meet their job expectations aren't the stars. They're not the people you promote. They're, they're not the people you pay out bonuses to. The people who exceed your expectations are the stars. Anybody can do an okay job at life, but excellence is what should be really rewarded. And not that, you know, I know she's like a new, you know, has young children and stuff. Not that people need to overextend themselves arbitrarily outside of their work hours to prove themselves. But I do think that there's an element of the extra mile that really people who are really great at their job go and it, and it matters. And that's what makes them ultimately stand out. And I think small things like I'm not getting a commission off of this, but I'll spend two hours trying to add value because this is not purely transactional for me. Right. That's kind of the, that thing that I think people want is that trust and friendship. And when you're made to feel purely transactional, I think that's, what's off putting. It's like, Oh, I'm literally just a follow. You Definitely. spend all this time thinking you're like somebody's friend and they like share their life with you only to realize they don't actually care about you at all. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> No, totally. Totally. And, um, so in your, in, in building your brand, well, what, what did you do before, before you worked for your, cause I doormats were your first mm -hmm. solo venture, correct? Yes. Okay. Which are amazing. And I saw even long before I even knew who you were, I knew what your doormats were. <laughs> oh, funny. Yeah. I love that. Um, but what, what did you do before that? So right out of college, I um, got this job, a rotational program at like a huge market research company. They do TV ratings called Nielsen. And I, it was this incredible program and kind of their like marketing arm where they moved me to New York, to Chicago, to San Francisco. And then afterward, I kind of got to pick which place and what, which position I ultimately wanted to be in and which I landed in Chicago and I'm still here, but it was, I was there for six years before I started be there in five. And I was in a couple different roles, but majority of the time I spent in marketing effectiveness in terms of, I had a bunch of CPG consumer packaged goods clients, like, um, I don't know, like Hillshire farms. And I worked, well, I worked with target and like retailers like that, or Jim beam or, brands like Truvia, like I had all these random consumer packaged goods brands and I helped them optimize their advertising across platforms and within platforms in terms of like um, optimizing TV ads. So like if are your 30 second ads more effective than your 15 second ads? If so, let's switch weight and have more 30s and 15s, kind of like adjusting media plans and budgets um, and creative in order to uh, yield the highest uh, 
output of whatever marketing goal they had or highest conversion, whatever it was. It was it was actually a really interesting job where I was kind of the intermedi- intermediary data provider between like their media plan and the audience. How do you cool. use data to uh, optimize a media plan and to deliver your message you need to get across? Did you ever think that when you were doing that job that it would benefit you so much in like a social media world? No, because I always thought I would be in the corporate world. I never, ever thought I'd be like out on my own or doing anything where like I was the thing. Uh, But that said, I think that's why in life you kind of follow your intuition to a degree and you you can't be afraid to pivot because along the way, these hyper specific scenarios present themselves that are like the ideal combination of your skill set. Um, in a way that you would have never planned for. But even just like the other day, I'm doing a Britney deep dive and I was trying to like sort through her catalog and I was just like doing pivot tables because I did a lot of work in Excel in my last job. And people were like, why are you doing pivot tables for your podcast? And I'm like, why not? Like, like, this is what I do. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I, I just feel like the the proficiency in different places always, it always comes in handy. And I think just having the... Um, I'm so grateful for my corporate experience. If I had gone out on my own, I would, I, I would have known nothing. Like I just, I like, I just feel like I get how to work with people. I get people's motivations. I get budgets. I get contracts. I get sales. I get, I get all these things that coming right out of college, I would have been clueless about, but I'm, I have such a pragmatic standpoint now in this role, even though most creatives in my role have never had corporate experience and I think are confused by a lot of it. Totally. Which is, I mean, it gives you such a unique perspective when you're talking about like the way you collect data and distribute data. It's, it's not like any, I know, um, pop culture commentating is not a new thing, but hearing it in an analytical way is definitely new. Oh, that's awesome. That's, Thanks for think, saying that. No, it's, it's, it's amazing. <laughs> but tell me how you got from your corporate job to flooring. <laughs> yes, as one does. Um, An, I, a casual next step. Right. Well, I was like, at the, at the time I was working downtown in the office and I had to be there by a certain time. And I was always like running out the door and I kept turning around thinking my curling iron was on and going to burn down my apartment. So I kind of one day looked at a doormat and was like, this is kind of a canvas. Instead of putting a post-it on my door, why don't I just like you know, flip this upside down and have it instead of a doormat that's like welcomes you into your home. Why don't, doesn't it remind me of something on my way out? So I painted, cause I've always been kind of crafty, turn off your curling iron on like kind of like an area rug doormat ish thing and thought it was funny. And there's like more legs with reminders. People were forgetful like me yeah. and, um, put them on Etsy, named it be there in five, because I was like the type of person that would buy this is like be there in five. But, like they just yeah. got out of the shower yeah. and, um, they kind of sat there for a little while and they took off because an Australian radio station made it into a meme. And I woke up one morning and it had like hundreds of thousands of likes and thousands of comments. And I was reading through these and it was kind of an unusual experience of a lifetime where everyone else has to develop a supply chain and a product line in hopes that there's demand. But here I have like the world's best focus group um, already having it go viral. So were you painting them all by hand at first? Yeah, my mom and I probably painted the first couple thousand by oh, hand. Wow. It t- I mean, it took forever to find a manufacturing solution at my size and minimums. And I mean, it was like such an education and th- something I would have never, ever tackled before. But you just you figure it out. <laughs> totally. So and then from there, um, you did, did you do your book next? Was that your next step? Or did you? What that was, was the next? So 
long story short, I started the mat business. It takes off. I work for about another year. I leave my job to kind of get back on my feet to streamline the business. It was too much work. Like I was working full time and starting this business full time. My plan was always to kind of go back to the corporate world. I kind of sunk all this equity into this company, into this job. I had a pretty high up position at the time. And I was like, I don't know. I just, I couldn't wrap my head around leaving. And so then when I went to streamline the mat business, um, I kind of made myself obsolete in a sense. Like I outsourced a lot of the process and ultimately got to a place where I started reapplying to corporate jobs and couldn't really get rehired. Like all of a sudden I was irrelevant because I had been gone for a year and a half, two years. And it was actually like a very dark period of time where like I allegedly took this chance to like live a dream I didn't, I knew that it was my first idea, but that doesn't mean it's my best or my last. And that the mats were less of an indicator of my expertise in flooring and more just to showcasing that I have good ideas and that's how it manifested. And I just could not figure out what to do, but I've always loved writing. Poetry was like a big part of my childhood. Um, I'd always like enter contests and like, I don't know, it was this whole thing. And if like back to basics at my purest form, if I was doing what I wanted, I'd probably be like writing children's books, writing poems. And um, yeah, so I think I was kind of at a rock bottom where you don't have a lot to lose. And I just was like, one day I was annoyed with like influencers and social media and uh, wrote a poem about called Twinkle Twinkle Social Media Star um, and shopped it around to publishers and eventually got a publishing deal. And it was kind of this amazing um, thing I really needed at the time of feeling like I had another shot to do something else. And then the podcast was actually like right around that same time where I was like literally just throwing darts at like, what, (laughs) what do I like? Where can I add value and what can I try? So, yeah. Yeah. Well, just try everything. Right. I mean, I feel like I'm right. I I mean, yeah, not that this it's, that interesting but I'm I mean I'm just like saying yes to everything I can as yeah. a small podcast like I'm like yeah I'll, I'll try that but um it is something that I really felt like I connected with you on with your twinkle twinkle social media star because it's this it's this parody thing and this kind of raz on influencers but it's in like a friendly funny way and it's yeah. not a way that an influencer would read it and think like this girl hates me this girl doesn't you know, it's <laughs> right. like very, like which is always something I'm trying to do that I'm like oh I hope influencers see this and laugh at it because the self-awareness should be there of like this is kind of a, like we do these silly little things and it's okay like I I can roast myself all day so when people right so I I yeah and anyways, but I kind of expect people to feel the same way. I kind of expect people to find the humor in it. Um, but with your book, have you, have you felt like the humor was well, well received or did you feel like there was pushback on it? You know, when I was like writing it and like in progress, it was kind of when my Instagram and podcasts were starting to build a little bit and I was starting to become more friends with influencers who I just like was in the same circles with and whatnot. And, um, that did it, it crossed my mind, but what ended up happening is that it's kind of a it jests on the most extreme form of like an influencer trope of kind of that bachelor style person that like doesn't add any value, just sells you stuff because it got on TV once. Right. Um, and beyond that, the poem at the it started when I first wrote it, it was a lot more bitter, but by the time it was done, it ended up kind of the point was the mom was actually kidding the whole time in the last two pages are like basically the mom explaining the like best impressions to make are not paid. And it kind of explains why it ends with twinkle, twinkle, social media. So there's so much more to who you are. And I think that in me kind of pivoting the book's message to not just be snarky, but to 
ultimately be heartfelt. It was kind of what I needed to hear the most of the time. Cause like, I didn't feel as successful as all these people that were just like crushing it. And it came from a bitter place, but I think ultimately ended in the right place, which is it's good to create from a, a place of what, where we're struggling, but it, it needs to have a point that to, like, it's just not me to have a point that's simply snarky, making fun of something or whatever. Like, it's always going to, like, have heart in it. And I think I felt so much better about it when it had a message that even if you were reading it to a kid, you could, like, laugh, but ultimately be like, you, you, who you are as a person, what I love about you has nothing to do with your online persona. And don't let that fool you. <laughs> no, totally. Um, so when I'm trying to I'm trying to think of which question to ask next. So this this kind of brand building with yourself. Mm-hmm. um like has how has that process been for you and what is it like you know because of course we're you know we're all trying to be as honest kind of like what we were talking about earlier we all want to be honest we all want to be genuine but obviously when you're building a brand you do code it and kind of you know I I think it's so interesting I think it's uh I think Chloe says it to Courtney on an episode (laughs) or Courtney says it Courtney's like it's not my brand and Chloe's like why does everybody care about their brand but it is interesting that Right on social media, like you become a brand, like you're not, you know, you do have to put forth kind of a, a show a little, I mean, maybe that's not the right word, but how has that process been for you? And how have you decided how to move forward in your brand and what, you know, you wanted your brand to be and how you executed that and kind of just, yeah. How did, how did you do that? You know, like, I know this isn't helpful, but I really, I, I thought less of, I didn't like work backwards from like, this is what I want to stand for. And this is the lens I'm going to run everything through, which I think a lot of people do, which is what most professionals would advise you to do is to strategize from the beginning. But my strategy was no to have no strategy because I wasn't going to have fun with it unless it was like unequivocally exactly what I wanted to be doing at that minute. Even if like, while I committed to like consistency in posting, posting, I really was like, if I care or think about something, I'm just going to post it or talk about it and like see what happens. And I almost became obsessed with this idea of even media attempting to like niche down women and put them in boxes. And you almost like need to be like fashion or beauty or got celeb gossip or this or that. And I'm like, I care about a million things and most women do. Why can't I be an example of somebody that exhibits range and has a brand that's more associated with like, honestly, randomness of like, but the undertone being, um, like, I hope people come to like laugh and to learn about pop culture, but I want the through line to be like the level of thoughtfulness and, um, heart I put into things. And that's what I care about. I think more than, um, topical organization. Totally. So yeah, I guess the answer that's not helpful is like, I, I didn't over, I really didn't over-focus on that. I really focused on like doing exactly what I like and what I want. And if, there's enough people that identified with that. I knew I'd always be happy with my job because it's what I'd be doing anyway. No, totally. I think that's the best answer possible, to be totally honest. <laughs> um, it's, but, it's hard to describe myself, yeah, though, because no, no, it's, it's easier if you can have like a boilerplate of like, I do this. No, but it's like, it's so true. And that's that's not something that I think about a lot about how you can be a million different a million different things, you know, like that you don't have to pigeonhole yourself. And I think that is something I definitely get stuck in and probably a lot of young you know, podcasters or, you know, influencers or whatever gets stuck. Oh, absolutely. Um, okay. So I, I wanted to ask you this. So do you think <laughs> that influencers are going to be long-term? Do you think that it's going to change? Like, do you see changes coming? Do you see, um, 
like this because I, I think about these influencers who are making this much money and they buy these huge houses and I'm like what if this bubble pops in like five mm-hmm. years you know what if like I'm I'm so curious about what you think about that or like if they take away likes or if they right you know, what like what could it do or do you see it being a lot I mean I know none of us really know what could happen in the next five minutes but just right. what do you think the uh the future of influencing is I think the sky's the limit like like I said earlier, these these people are accessible, self-made celebrities that will like respond to DMs that share their life with you. Gone are the days where your mystique is defined by how coyly you avoid personal questions. We People want to be part of your moments in your life. And I think that even as much as people snark and hate follow, people like love the people that they love. And that might ebb and flow over time. Just like if you follow a band and you go when they're doing underground shows and they're like indie, you know, you probably are frustrated when they sell out, but maybe you come back around, but then they've grabbed a new audience. Like I think there's a life cycle with fans. And um, I also think that when kind of what I know from like my background in media too, like, Media budgets are huge. Marketing budgets are huge. TV is so expensive. Online and mobile, you know, whether it's like display, banner, video, pre-roll, like all of these ad models, like have these really expensive media types and influencers are not that expensive and you can tie conversion to them directly. And there's a ton of value in being able to tease out your ROI pretty immediately from somebody's vanity code or promo code. And I think people don't realize from a marketing angle, influencer marketing is incredibly productive um, for uh, uh, for a brand. And as long as brands are spending money with influencers, there is an influencer business because people can mess up royally and people still follow them. Like, I think that their relationship with us is important. And that is a lot of it. But I also don't in terms of influencer at being an influencer as a trade, I don't see the ad spend um, going anywhere. And I think platforms are only look at TikTok. I mean, I didn't know about that a year ago. Things only grow and expand and we start to follow people for different reasons in different ways. And we're forever looking for more entertainment. It's true. That, that is very, that is very true. So do you, do you have a favorite content creator or influencer that you have that, or like a top three or something? I'm just, I'm so curious who, who your favorites are. It's funny. Like, I, I, I'll follow the same people I've always followed. Like I'm, I love an OG blogger. Like I just have for a decade, I followed like Blair Edie, Atlantic Pacific, or, you know, uh, like, yeah, Rachel Parcell and Amber Fillerup. Um, and, uh, like I love Kathleen Barnes, Carrie Bradshaw lied. Like I love a lot of the bloggers I followed since the very, very beginning. Um, just in terms of aspirational content, like Courtney Kerr, like I feel attached to these people. I feel like I've known them for years. Totally. But in, I feel like more recently, I'm, I'm more drawn to, well, a like po- more pop culture driven content. Like, um, like I love Danny Pellegrino, who covers a lot with Bravo and pop culture and nostalgia. My friend Lucy has a meme account that's really funny called Lucy on the Ground. Like I really appreciate more specific content creators in like the humor space, I think now than bloggers. But beyond that, I love like a workfluencer, like a Hey at Rita from, um, and she works at Instagram. So does Eva Chen people that have these like corporate kind of chic jobs, but also share parts of their life as an influencer. I kind of like love that combo. Yeah. Um, and I'm also trying to be better about supporting like, uh, micro influencers too. Cause like, 
the best content creators have under 30,000 followers. Like that is the, the time period of time before you're making money when you're the most dedicated to keep moving. And the content is unbelievable. Right. Um, there's like somebody I love uh, named Carmen who has the good karma blog. I love what Kate finds. I love um, uh, Ayelsa and happy uh, go curly. I don't know. I love so many people. Yeah. Um, <laughs> do you, this, that maybe this is, well, no, this is different. Do you have like a dream person to interview that you would love to interview or that you would love to have on your show? I mean, I have a lot of questions for Meghan Markle. I don't see that happening. <laughs> you never know. You never know. <laughs> I mean, like the obvious big ones would be like Meghan right. Markle, Taylor Swift, you know, whatever. Right. But I think from a, the standpoint of a person who I really admire work-wise and just want to like talk shop with would be like a Lin-Manuel Miranda or something, a person like, I, he's just like an architect of the English language. Like I love right. every, I love what he makes. I love how he writes. And I love that he worked on a project for the better part of a decade without knowing what it would become. And I think the amount of grit that takes is something I really admire because he was writing something so different. He did not really know how it would be received and it took forever. And oh, I just really. like, there's so many ideas and things I want to do in life that I just like stop when I start. I'm just like, no, right. yeah. <laughs> no totally, <laughs> totally. I, um, I, I should add, you are single-handedly responsible for all the tears I've cried this last week because of <sighs> what you put out about Eliza, about the end of Hamilton. Oh my gosh. Um, I know. No. And I, my, like, I've, I've watched it probably five or six times in the, in the last week or two. And every time my husband walks in and I'm like, it's Eliza's story. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm just it really is. No, it is. And you were the first person that I had ever heard say that or ever heard articulate it. And it's, it's everywhere. Now. Are you getting credit for it? Like, are people saying I heard this from Kate? Cause I was like, I texted my brother and I said, oh my gosh, I, I just heard this theory. And he was like, oh, you should put that out there. I'm like, no, it's not mine. I'm like, so I'm so careful to like, never, never, ever take anybody's even a sentence. Oh yeah. Said, you know, like, that's like, when I see other people <laughs> do it, I'm like, did you ask permission for that? So I'm right. curious because I've seen so many TikToks and so many, you know, stories of people saying, you know, it's not, it's not called Alexander Hamilton. It's Hamilton because it's, and I'm like, I heard Kate say, say that first. Did you ask permission for that? <laughs> What's funny is that I think that like a lot of, I think a, a lot of people that like love to analyze things, love Broadway or have, if you've listened to the cast album for a while, like I think a lot of people had the same takeaway. And I, what's funny too, is like, I made this TikTok about it. That's probably like, like took off and it's still taking off, Yeah, I but saw TikTok it. doesn't uh, prioritize by time. Like it doesn't, yeah. So it just it's it so shows annoying. you old videos. And so now people are like, we already know that you know, it's, just, it's like two and a half <laughs> weeks old. And I'm like, oh, sorry. I, at the time, it was interesting yeah. and new information. But no, I mean, I definitely had, had conversations with people about that before, just in terms of like the whole the um, not the world was wide enough. Who lives, who dies, who tells your story. I mean, it's so clearly Eliza's song. And I, I always I felt that day, way. I said, I said, who else who dees you tease your ass? And my husband was like... <laughs> What? What? Like it's the most off of all the <laughs> what thi sexual thing does that mean? I'm like, I know. 
I think it's, but I keep but, saying it. It's like stuck in my head. It's it's catchy. I know my husband didn't really understand it either. But I was like, it's this theme I al- I always want to like refer to. Uh, like anytime I'm thinking of any notion of legacy storytelling, how somebody explains you perceives you. I'm like, well, so he's like, it's it's like I race through it because it's too long to say, <laughs> but it sounds very sexual. Um, yeah, you need it on a T-shirt but, or something for your merch. Well, the joke is, I really think that if you people are like, I don't. I don't think anything's an original thought anymore. And I think that's a difficult thing too with like any content is like, I think a lot of people can have similar thoughts and then want to take credit for it. When at the end of the day with she has majority of the words and the musical ends with her, like, yeah, it's Eliza's story. Everyone can say it a little bit different, but I think now it's been like hugely popularized and I got like, well, Courtney got a Google alert that like they quoted that TikTok in like some article the other day and it kind of made me laugh. Yeah. Because people don't contact you anymore. They just take <laughs> they quotes just from yeah. your like well, uh social media. That's very gracious of you to say that that you didn't coin it because I cracked I don't think it. I did. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I did. <laughs> but I'm always like, if somebody I'm petty like that though, because like if somebody does something that like slightly resembles something I did, I'm like, they took it. I know they did. I know they took it from <laughs> me. But that's just me being immature. <laughs> But um, my problem, too, is I don't I like I don't whatever photographic memory is for ears. If I hear like a phrase or a word and I like it, I'm like, oh, I love that. And I bank it. And then I'll think of it weeks later. I'm like, where did I hear that? And on my podcast, that's why I'm always like, I don't somebody might have said this, but because I'm worried I'm like saying something I heard somewhere and not even realizing it because I would never, ever intentionally like that's so lame. And I think most of the time when anybody accuses anyone of copying, I'm like, anybody who's actually proud of what they do is probably not intentionally doing that. (laughs) No, totally. And this is like my whole and like to, to tie in all these things that we're talking about, this is like my beef with, with girl, wash your face that I'm mm-hmm. like, these are very regurgitated Pinterest quotes that like, that I don't understand how they're like, I could have written this book and I could have put my name, you know, and it's, it's the regurgitation of, of like, and it's the thought that people think you didn't notice. You didn't notice that you took right. it from, they, they didn't take it from somebody. And I'm just like, oh. Trying to take it. a Maya Angelou quote is like, yeah, it's just, just next makes, level. It just makes me cringe. Like, I'm like, well, and then it makes me be like, okay, you really think that I wouldn't notice. Like, I, right. like, my nine-year-old niece would notice. You know, like, it's just, so that's, right. that's kind of a different topic, but ties into this. Um but with Hamilton, oh man, what? Oh, I was gonna say this was this is backtracking a little bit, but back to TikTok, um, that drives me crazy that it doesn't do it in time form because I know. Do you have it where you it says like for part two, and then you're like, okay, she's I gotta scroll through, I can't, I gotta find this video. Part two is like from six months ago, and like you gotta, it's it's a weird, it's yeah, it's weird. But I'm I'm like a TikTok, I, I love TikTok. I'm a TikTok apologist. I'm trying to get oh my all, god, it's so my, good. All my millennials on board because our millennials on board because I'm like this is the thing I like about TikTok that's the exact opposite of Instagram is that Instagram you are, and I, I've said this before, but, and let me know if you agree that typically a big part of being an influencer is just, mm-hmm. it's you you want people to be jealous. You want people to have some sort of envy about your life. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, I mean, and, and maybe that's, I don't know, maybe I'm phrasing that weird, but that is how I feel. And that's how 
I feel Instagram is just in general is that you do want people to have some sort of envy and that's why they mm-hmm. follow you because you have a house they want or a body they want or a lifestyle that they want or something like that. And with TikTok, I almost feel like it's the opposite. It's like, who can be like, who can prove that they have like, right. the most trash life or the most trash, you know, whatever. And everybody's like in the dumpster together and we're all just, it, it just feels a re- very refreshing and very real. And oh, totally. I mean, obviously every social media you'll get, you know, you know, a, you know, a life lifestyle filter, but I just, I've fallen in love with TikTok because of that, you know? Oh yeah. And I think that's, it speaks to kind of the values too, of the, um, age group. I think when we were introduced with social media, it was uh, from a blogging standpoint about aspiration from a personal relationship standpoint about how great you're doing in life. And like people on Facebook kind of like showing off or showing your ex, how great you're doing. Like the entire thing was used to present a facade of yourself, like a version of yourself. And I think a lot of like influencers businesses are based off of, uh, yeah, curation. I mean, that's what it got them there, but somewhere in the 2010s, the, popularity shift and the currency became relatability and um the and the way gen, the ironic humor of gen z paired with the the crafty self-deprecation and like them kind of actively doing the opposite of what that kylie jenner era of like the baddie full lash before noon like you know people were wearing so much makeup and a full contour at a time like i am here for the natural beauty i'm here for not trying too hard and um i just think tiktok is this happy corner of the internet where people are like themselves totally totally i feel like if i could meet one like i want to I, this is a common thought. I think I see it all over TikTok, but I'm like, I need to, I need to protect Charlie D'Amelio. <laughs> I oh my need God. to protect her. She is so precious. I love her so much. I love much. her. She's so pure. She's just, she's purest. so sweet. I, I really do think she's a, just a nice girl who like spent all of her time dancing and went to like a small school and had her friends in her life. And she's just sweet. And I, and I, and when I was doing the TikTok episode, before, kind of before any of like my listeners were even the, it, when I did the deep dive in January, people were like, I don't know if I care. Mm-hmm. And I was new to like the hype house. And I was trying to explain like, no, I think that this is a really interesting thing that you see happen in life where you're almost drawn to somebody because they're not doing anything out of the ordinary. Yeah. No, <laughs> like totally. there's, she, she has a je ne sais quoi that I can't put my finger on, but it's not because she's trying too hard. Yeah. It, she's no, just very like natural. It's true. And she's not, she's not, I don't know. I just don't find her to be abrasive in any way. I don't find her like she's just, you know, I, I, I feel the same way about about Jojo Siwa, who, you know, two years ago, if you would have asked me because I was right. I, same. I, I also was very into Dance Moms. I've always watched Dance Moms. And so I've always known who Jojo was. And I was like, OK, OK, we get it. We get it. We get it. And like now and I, I think you talk about this um, again. I'm just being weird and saying that I've just listened to all your stuff, but, um, I think you did being weird. <laughs> what, who am I without people listening to my stuff? Are you kidding? I know. I just hope it doesn't sound like I'm just blown. Never. Smoke, but, no, um, no, no. In your most recent, um, Gen Z, Gen Z equal. Is that what this most? Yeah. Recent Gen uh-huh. Z one? And I think you go into this a little bit, but just, I'm just always shocked at how these younger kids are just, there's so much better equipped than I ever was to handle mm-hmm. negative feedback. Like, mm-hmm. it's just, it's crazy. I mean, Jojo Siwa, she is so unproblematic. She doesn't do anything, you know, 
controversial. She's just this crazy kid, you know, she likes sparkles right. and rainbows and, you know, she's a dancer and she's, she's unproblematic, but people just, I mean, she gets a lot of hate and the way I just laugh so hard at the way she responds to the hate. And I'm like, that is, that's better than any celebrity I've ever seen. You know, it's just, there's, it's like ingrained in them to be resilient. And I think that's a really, I mean, I definitely don't have that. And I get nervous even building a following that I'm like, I'm like, I'm, you know, walking on eggshells waiting for my first, you know, negative DM that I'm like, I don't know. Right. I'm, I don't know if I'm going to be able to bounce back from that. I don't know. I got a, like a negative review on my podcast and I like, I cried for like three days about it. And I'm like, okay, I have to learn to be resilient. And I mean, I, I would love to know what, how, what your thoughts are on that, how you're resilient or how, you know, how you deal with that or how you see the younger generation dealing with it and things like that. If, I, if I'm honest, I don't know. I I kind of think that like with negativity, feedback, criticism, I, I think it's a little bit more about wiring. People say like, I grew a thick skin or whatever. And I think sometimes if you wait for that to come, it might not because I, I just am a person that doesn't have one. And Same. I genuinely care what people think. I genu- genuinely care if I offend somebody. Uh, it's hard for me to just be like, screw you, block you. I don't care. Your opinion doesn't matter because like it does. Um, and I, you know, if you're, if there's a person behind the, you know, you don't have a profile picture, it's obviously a burner account. You're not willing to put your face behind your commentary. Like that's where I don't respect, you know, feedback to a degree. And I feel like I'm just being poked or baited for a screenshot. Um, but like somebody who takes the time to like write a review that legitimately has feedback that's negative, it's tricky. Like it depends on the day. And I think that I have to be realistic with myself in that, like I, if I see something bad, it will derail me. So I have to be careful about when I look at it and what time of day. And I wish I was one of those like zero F's people that could be more constructive or clinical about it. But at the end of the day, I'm highly sensitive. And I think I've come to a point where I realize that's what makes me good at my job too. Mm -hmm. And I can't beat myself up about fixing that. Um, and I just need to be mindful of when I consume what types of content and messaging. And I think a lot of people feel like they have to return like every DM immediately and this and that. But like, I, I actually see a lot of the communication and feedback stuff as, as a important factor in managing my own mental health. And I only do it when I feel up for it. And when it's positive, not the message, but like overarching, it's a a positive experience. And I, I I don't know, I I think it could get the best of you if you let it. And I think it's less about developing a tough skin and more about modifying your life and your consumption of it to understanding that it will affect you. (laughs) Totally. Do you, do you like consider yourself anxious? Like, do you, are you typically? Yeah, very, very. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, I don't know if you find this, but I'm wondering if because you're open and because you're sharing and because you're, you know, giving honest thoughts about things, do people sometimes perceive it as like, oh, she can take this criticism because she said this and this and this when they're not really hearing your real intent behind it, but they're thinking, oh, she can hand, you know, does that make sense? No, it does make sense. And well, and I think that's becomes the hard part because I, I legitimately do believe in feedback and, and I will read it. And, and, and there's such a difference between somebody who's here. Okay. The other thing too is if somebody's genuinely hurt and like really cares, they'll email you. They'll email Courtney. They'll like reach out directly. And I'm so receptive to that. But people who immediately like take something out of context, blast it on a review, go on a forum, someone else's Facebook group, whatever. Those are the things that's like, I don't think it's as really, if, if, if my show was something that like you really cared about and it's feedback I should take, I think you would like, 
actually try to reach out in a manner that could provide the criticism. Cause I, you know, there's some from DMS to emailing me to whatever, like you could try to like directly get in touch, but I think like the reviews and stuff, it's more like, um, I, I think that once people likes, I think that I, I take a while to, um, like, what's the word? Like, I think you have to get used to me. Like, I don't think that you listen to one of my episodes and you really get it. I think you have to actually commit. It's kind of like some shows you love it from the pilot. Some shows you have to give three episodes till you're like invested. I think my shows are long and they're different and they're specific and you need to give it like a serious shot. And I get a lot of negativity from people listening to 10 minutes. And they're like, what's it? Like, stay on topic. You talk too fast. Or no, yeah. who are you? Or like, yeah. I Actually, think what I... Re- I listen to you on 1.5. I speed you up. Oh, God. I, like I can't. <laughs> oh, I. Oh God. I'm fascinated by people that can do that. But I think I realized the common thread is... It's like the genuine feedback from people I really need to listen to. They go about it a certain way. And I'm so receptive to it. The people that give me like kind of harsh knee-jerk feedback... I, while I while I read it, I'm not as hurt by it because I get listening to somebody that uh, if somebody's saying they love it and you're kind of like, I do not get this. You're almost more inclined, the less you know about it, to be harsher toward it. Totally. totally. And I think the more people actually are invested and have listened for a while and the people I really care about, they approach it so differently mm-hmm. that it, it I don't even read it as the type of like feedback that hurts my feelings. Totally. And there's probably a lot of comfort in that, that you're like, okay, I know. I mean, that you can put that that filter on it of like, okay, they don't, they don't actually know me or what my show is about. So they're not that their feedback is irrelevant at all, but it's just, it's not as heavy when you know that they're not as invested, as invested, maybe a hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, you get it. You podcast. It's like, there's no more raw form of your personality Mm -hmm. than talking to yourself on a microphone and everyone else's job. They get feedback on their job and it's about how they execute the work. And on mine, it's my personality. Like (laughs) the way I, it's just, there's nothing that I'm rough. I think, um, I think it was Whitney Cummings. I can't remember what, what I was listening to her on, but she said that, you know, she loves doing meet and greets because she views her audience as her boss. And I thought that was like, it like totally, it was a total paradigm shift for me because I was like, Oh, that's, I've been thinking of it. Like I'm the boss. I'm this, I'm their boss. No, totally. Like I'm running the show here. But then when, when I switch, and this was, you know, a few months ago before I started doing my own thing. But then I think it's 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 been really beneficial to be like, okay, you guys are you guys are my boss. Like you guys, are, yeah. I, I'm here to work for you. I want to, you know, do the right thing for you guys. And no, but that's that's yeah, very, you have to earn that in your. I I don't know any other podcasters, and I'm like a I'm a very avid podcast listener, but I don't know anybody who's as gracious as you are to your audience. I mean, you're just very like. You know, I, I want to be thanked for listening to somebody's podcast, you know, <laughs> and you, you're great at that. So I just, I just wanted to add. Oh, that's that nice. Think, I've never had anybody really... say that before. I appreciate that. Yeah. No, it's true. Like I feel who, I think it's an office quote when they say, thank you for coming to the meeting and, and they say, you don't have to thank me. I, I have to be here. And it's like, well, I always wanted to be thanked for being here. So, so I right. really appreciate it. Um, but, just, and, you could listen or do any, there's so many places to spend your time right now. Like, and I, and I think that. I, 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 nothing like I, I'll do this on occasion, but what's very popular to like make fun of your fans or listeners or to like screenshot DMS of people and to kind of put them on blast. And I only did that when people accuse me of being part of the Wayfair conspiracy. Um, but oh, I really hate when people, yeah, like are rude to the people that are like essentially, you know, getting them a paycheck and beyond yeah, totally. that it's like, yeah, it's a time investment. And I, I, I certainly, 
understand that. And I also think that um, people probably think I'm like groveling or, or faking it, but like, I'm a very normal person. There's no reason you should listen to me on a podcast. I'm not, an enter- I'm not an entertainment personality. Like I'm not somebody who's like one, a traditional route trying to like I don't know. It's just like anybody who's there, it's kind of crazy to me that they're there to begin with because I think a lot of podcasts now are started by already famous people, but I grew through the podcast, uh, which is kind of an unusual thing and why I like hold on to people so dearly. Cause I can't really, I don't have anything else. I can't rely on some other platform, fame show, whatever, like this is it. Totally. No, I feel the same way. And I, I always, am, and, and large in part because I have appreciated it so much when you do it that I'm like, okay, I really want to make sure that people who listen feel appreciated. And I almost am like, I'm sorry to thank you guys again, but like, (laughs) it's totally genuine. I mean, I'm just like, I'm shocked when people, like I I had a car issue the other day and I put it on my Instagram story and and like a a few people were like, I'm so sorry. I'm, you should go get a brownie. And I'm like, you can't, why do you, uh, thank you. Thank you for even like thinking for one second that I was worth DMing. Like it's, it's overwhelming in a sense. Like, do you, do you feel that? Like, do you feel overwhelmed by like support? Does it, does it make you, how do you feel? I mean, maybe that's a weird question, but <laughs> no, no, it's obviously not. it's a, it's a super positive thing and you love to hear it. But I mean, do you have, like, I have imposter syndrome, you know? And I think that's oh, common totally. for, for everybody. I don't think that's unique, but do you feel that when people are, are so yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. And it's something I'm so grateful for. Like back when I started doing live shows, that was really transformative for me because, um, I think that like, I noticed people cared electronically, but like, I didn't really think they cared that much. And then when people bought tickets to shows and like wait in line to talk to me and seemed excited to meet me, I was genuinely surprised and confused. Cause I just am like, I'm not like a celebrity. Like I'm not like, I don't, I, it's like the imposter piece of like, I don't even know that I'm that interesting. And like, you almost psych yourself out in terms of like, I'm wasting your time, you know? (laughs) You're like, no, I'm always like, you can unfollow me. It's fine. My husband's like, don't tell people that. I'm like, well... Yeah, no, but- it's no, my husband had to have that talk with me too, because a few people like flew to my first show and I was like, this is not worth it. Like, I feel so <laughs> badly that somebody would spend their money, like their hard earned like vacation days and money on me. And like, well, he's like, do you think that Taylor Swift or Beyonce feels badly when people come no, to see them? And I'm like, I guess that's fair. <laughs> no, Even though true. I don't want that for my life at all. But um, no, I think that the yeah, what's important to me is like you have, you have to maintain boundaries, and I've gotten better about that over time. But I, the people that I always have talked to on social media, on on Facebook, or in Patreon, or whatever, on the Power Brain parties, like I know the same people that have listened for a while. I, fe- I do feel like I know them. I always want to feel like people have a lo- um, access to me, even if I'm not always super responsive. And I care about that friendship piece. But I am with you in that there, it 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 makes me panic a little if I felt like people were like truly fangirling in a sense of like, I feel like I'm not going to live up to that expectation whatsoever. <laughs> totally. Totally. It, it, yeah, no, I hear you. Um, I just realized that I, I was really curious about this. It was on my list, but I, I, we got, I got carried away. Um, with your topics that you choose to, to deep dive into, uh-huh. um, has there been any topic that you were excited about but then you learned about it and you liked it less or vice versa like did you were you not excited about one and then the more you learned you were like oh this is actually incredible have you I'm I'm so curious about how you decide where to dive into I I 
people ask me to talk about the same stuff all the time and I never will because I, I genuinely have, I can't spend that much time if I don't genuinely care about it. And more often than not, it does need to be my idea for me even to care about it that much. Um, but like an example, so like Mormon mommy bloggers came out of my own genuine interest over time. I grew to kind of resent it because it's like, I, that I, I almost felt like people were, yeah, sending me things and posts and things the scalas were doing, which is great. But like, I don't really think about, like they're great, but like, I don't think about them or obsess about them that much. But for the purposes of those episodes, I had to like really double down and get excited about it. And I had fun with it, but there's so many other things I care about. Same with Taylor Swift. I kind of had to disassociate from her because people were overly associating with me with me with her. And then when she'd do something and I wouldn't talk about it, I'm like, I don't want to be a source for any one person or thing. Mm -hmm. Um, because at the end of the day, I don't put that much thought into it. Like I don't want to be a fan account for anybody. Um, do you find yourself, so do you find yourself stepping back after you've, you, you know, gotten into a topic? I think I try to get into a habit of, I'm going to deep dive now and I'm going to make it good. I'm going to make it worth it. And we're going to do the whole thing. And then I'll follow up on it over time, but I don't need to harp on it in a way that it's like part of my brand. I want my brand to be like, I obsess over things for a short period of time. Cause that's me too. Yeah. Um, and I think that like, well, Britney Spears is an example of something people have asked ever, you know, for the well over a year, ever since people were kind of more aware of the nature of her conservatorship. And it was too sad. It seemed too mentally health driven, everyone talks about, I don't like to talk about the same stuff. Like everyone exhaustively covers because I think people do a great job and I don't want to be redundant, but it's gotten to a point where what interested me is less like the story of Britney Spears and more that it's become a conspiracy theory. And I have an obsession with people taking a more grounded approach to bandwagon internet theories. And so I'm kind of coming at it from that angle now. <laughs> I know. I feel like somebody, somebody, I, a guy put a question up on my Instagram. I just said, what podcast topics do you guys want to hear? And somebody said, I don't want you to cover a conspiracy theory. I just want to know why there's so many right now. Right. And I'm like, it's probably boredom. I mean, it might be that we're all locked up. Um, I don't know what you, how, how are you doing in Chicago with, with COVID? What's your guys's status? I think Chicago is so locked down relative to like a lot of, you know, more smaller markets and suburban places that at the time it felt torturous, but I think we're better off because of it. I mean, I, we're still not in great condition, but things are a yeah. little bit open. It's kind of like going out to dinner isn't even that fun. You know, no, it's totally so agree. it's, 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 yeah, it's not, it's not back to normal by any stretch, but at least there's a little more mobility than there once was. Um, and being in a city was quite torturous. I mean, like speaking of the parcels, like that pool, the mountains, I'm like, your life is nicer than my nicest vacation. Like 100%. it's a resort. It, it's, yeah. and I, th through COVID has made me resent people with pools. I just want a pool. <laughs> totally. <laughs> Especially an environment. We have an indoor pool, which is like the worst possible pool to have. At least that's not, <laughs> we, like, are you in like a complex that has an yeah. indoor pool? Yeah. yeah. That's Chicago's mostly indoor too. It's like, yeah. it's, it's usually cold. Yeah. Not to be uh, so boring, but is it hot there? <laughs> is it, are you dying? I, uh, honestly, I haven't been outside today. I, 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 <laughs> You're like, what's I, weather? I, well, I have my AC on because it gets so hot in the afternoon. But yeah. yeah, I mean, it's like an 85 probably. Yeah, my brother. <laughs> I was I was laughing. 
I, on your, I think it was, it had to have been your Mormon mommy blogger episodes because you're talking about, cause I'm the youngest of eight. I'm the youngest. Oh my of God. Eight, but I have seven older brothers. So it's like double down. It's like, just the wow. <laughs> I know. My mom's always like, yeah, we should have had one or two. I'm like, yeah, you should have. But, um, I no, cannot it's, it's, imagine. it's far too many. It is far too many. <laughs> it is. We need to let a few go. Um, but we, but my older brother went, got his master's at the university of Chicago. So I was there one August and now, and it's, it's brutal. Summers are pretty brutal there. That's such yeah. a, that is such a boring topic to bring up. The weather, no, but. But no, but absolutely. Summers in Chicago are like fun because it's a city that has a beach, but yeah. nobody that lives here actually goes to it. I, yeah. I feel like so. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So this might seem like a ra- random question, but I'll, I'll let you get out of here. I've kept you for, for so long and you've oh my been God, so, you're fine. so sweet, but, um, Okay, so when I when I first started out, I actually started out as a food Instagram. I thought that's what I would do. Yeah. Um, and so I've tried to carry it over into Bad Broadcast and tried to keep food kind of central because it's just something mm-hmm. that I love. Um, so I love to know um, controversial food opinions. I know it seems weird, mm. but I just would love – I always think that this is a very interesting thing to hear about people. I would love to know yours. Well, the first thing that came to mind is that I'll, fi- I'll, I'll think of a food, but in the meantime – People love, love White Claws, and I just – I don't get it. They don't excite me. It's like drinking air, and (laughs) it's really – it's like when I was in college, maybe I was looking for a low-calorie way to get drunk that was utterly flavorless because I didn't like the taste of alcohol. In my older age, I like – like enjoying wine, enjoying a beer. Like I I feel like it's more about enjoying the beverage, but like I think it's – yeah, this cultural obsession that is more like with like slamming a low calorie drink than anything. And I just like, I hate them. And I don't know, they, they're everyone's obsession. Do you like any, like, do you like just sparkling water? Like, are you? No, I'm I think I'm not even, I, I, yeah, it doesn't do a lot for me. I try it about 70 times a year. (laughs) Every time, every time I'm sad. (laughs) I want to be sophisticated. (laughs) Yeah, no, exactly. Exactly. I just, I think, I think people, I'm kind of, I kind of think they're lying a little bit. Like I'm like, I know that good. Right. Like it just can't be. I know. Or people are lying to themselves and they wish it was soda. Cause like, I love a soda, like a oh, diet totally. Coke, but totally. not like a water, but we're, the... we're diet Coke city over here. I was, I was Oh, obviously. Uh, I think it was Stephanie McNeil. She posted that Taza put, put coffee creamer in her diet Coke and oh, that yeah, sounds disgusting. no, same. She had the same exact reaction. It's so popular here. I mean, we have, Oh, is it called a dirty diet? Yeah. Dirty diet Coke. So we have, because there's not, I mean the majority, I shouldn't say the majority, but because there's so many non-drinkers here, we have soda shops. Like, so we have soda shops mm. on corners that you like. It's so with. wholesome. It's so wholesome. It's so <laughs> terrible. Very um, hallmark. Yeah, no, totally. But it's just, it's so people customize their sodas and mm. it's super, super popular here. And so when I saw Taza doing it, I was like, oh yeah, that's, you know, we, you know, everybody does that here. Everybody drinks. Well, yeah. Like an old timey uh, diner, like an egg cream or like a vanilla yeah. Coke. Like I'm on board with that. Um, I thought of something with food, but I don't even know. So I, I, well, like I grew up on the East coast. I love like um crab shrimp like i like a crustacean but like i think it's so interesting how excited people will get over a piece of fish yeah <laughs> i am at a restaurant i am never ordering a like a fluffy white fish like a monkfish right. like i'm not i would never get excited about a salmon like i'll get excited about a steak about a lobster about so many things but like mm-hmm. i just feel like when people are like oh my god the trout just to die i'm like what like oh, that actually <laughs> excites you in a way i find that confusing like how I, is that as indulgent or great as like pasta or something totally. you know? i think about that scene in parent trap when they're fishing 
and they're like, what's for breakfast? And they're like, trout. I'm like, I never eat trout because of that scene. I oh, just my God. Like, that's an interesting point. I probably, yeah, yeah I have like a an subliminal. To <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, what about deep, how, how are you on deep dish being from being living in Chicago? I honestly like. East Coast pizza all day, like a more thin crust model. I like a more um, New York style for sure. Deep dish is like people's loyalty to it. I find confusing because I actually don't think it's I mean, I'm not from Chicago, but I've lived here for almost a decade. And I don't think it's as much in the DNA as people maybe think it is. And it's to me, it's more of like a touristy thing than a thing that like Chicagoans I know eat on a regular basis. So yeah, I actually totally. Wish we had more like thin crust East Coast style, but it's just, it's just all bread. It's it's so filling. You can only have one slice. And to me, the glory of pizza is in the volume of it you can eat Absolutely. and still be, you know, enjoying it. Definitely. Definitely. Well, I'll let you go. Thank you. I really I, – I can't thank you enough, and I'm really, really just grateful that you took the time to do this. And, and I really Oh, my God. It. You're awesome. Are you kidding? No. I – trust me. Like I – that's like one thing I actually care about is – prioritizing doing people's podcasts because I'm a podcaster and a person that like was on my own for so long. And I think it's important to support other people, A, in your industry and B, like, I, I, I just feel like the people, it gets to this place where people like aren't responsive or won't go on shows that aren't more like tenured. And I'm like, no, the fun shows to go on are the ones that are starting out as the new talent is people mm -hmm. that like, actually care what you're doing because when people are doing press rounds and guesting like that's not fun no one cares what i'm if i'm just like promoting my book they're like yeah so what do you have to hawk but like a person yeah. like you that's so sweet that has a vested interest and that also we can have a conversation about things we mutually like like that's right. so cool right. and i i genuinely enjoyed it and you truly i, I appreciate the uh verbal hospitality it means a lot to me <laughs> the over the over complimenting no honestly so nice well you're welcome and i meant it all and um stay safe in chicago and thank um, you and yeah thanks again thank and you I, yeah. it's so nice to meet you nice to meet you have a good one bye. You too. bye all right thank you guys so much for listening again thank you to kate kennedy um, go follow her make sure to follow me at the bad broadcast um, we'll get back to weekly questions and other topics next week. And I hope you guys have a phenomenal week and yeah, be safe. Love you.